In 2015, Australia were invited to take part as a special guest in the Eurovision Song Contest. And boy, they were good and got a fifth place. So in 2016, they were back and the jury thought they should win. But the televoters wanted Sergei and Russia, so Ukraine won. Does it sound messy? Yeah, I totally agree. Let's talk to Damim and see what we can do about it. This is Eurovision Legends. I am your host, Emil Lövström. Let the show begin. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Dami Im. Ah, hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Very good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Tell me, do you remember when you first learned about the Eurovision Song Contest? I was about 14, I think, or 13. And I went over to my friend's house for a sleepover party. And she had something on and she said she has to watch Eurovision and I was like what's that and that was yeah that was just I just remember seeing all these performers back to back and every staging was just I don't know it was a bit weird to me you know it wasn't the normal pop performance they just everything was very theatrical some performers were a bit like cringeworthy to me at that time it's like every every performance was different a lot of lots of fireworks pyrotechnics everywhere so yeah and I remember thinking that is so weird but it's so fun I can't stop watching it did you dream that you would take part in a contest one day no I didn't at all because at the time Australia, like no one thought that Australia could be a part of it, you know. Um, I think I watched it and went, wow, that looks fun. But it, it wasn't a thing that we could dream about, obviously. I read that you taught yourself to sing by recording your own voice and comparing it to your favorite artists. Yeah, that's how I started singing. I was in my bedroom and I thought, oh, I, I, I think I can try singing. So my dad got me this computer program to record myself and I, I was singing K-pop at the time and I recorded myself singing and I realized that I didn't sound good at all. It was really bad and that was a shock to me because I thought singing's easy and everybody can do it. So from then on, I became really obsessed. I started recording myself sing K-pop and Mariah Carey and, you know, Whitney. Um, and that kind of helped me, I, I guess, improve over time. Yeah, it totally did. And you were born in South Korea in 1988 and was nine years old when you moved to Australia. Tell me, how was it for you to come to a new and different country? It was strange because when I went to school, I didn't speak any English and just sitting there, you know, trying to guess what's going on around me, it was very scary. Um, and initially when my parents brought me here to Brisbane in Australia, I thought we were just going on a holiday. So uh, to realize that I'll be staying here and going to school with these people that don't look like me it was yeah it was hard at the at, at the start but I think that's why I clung to music because I was playing piano by that time and I got 
this opportunity to play piano at school assembly. And I remember the kids and the teachers, they were very surprised and shocked that, I don't know, I guess I was good at it. And for me, that was a a life-changing moment thinking, okay, this is my, my identity and something that makes me feel proud of myself. If we, we move to 2016, I wonder how did you end up representing Australia? I think by the end of 2015, my manager at the time sort of started to say there is a chance that we could put you forward for Eurovision and that, you know, you could have a chance at getting the spot. Uh, I didn't know, but many months after that, a couple of months before Eurovision in 2016, I found out that the broadcaster SBS and my label have decided to send me to represent Australia if I agreed to do it. And yeah. so I yeah, I think I was selected because my fans call the Dami Army. They're very passionate, loyal fans, and they have been really tweeting about me and getting everybody uh, that's related to Eurovision, all the people at SBS. They're like, they, they've been telling them to send Dami and they were really annoying them quite a lot. So I think maybe that had a part in that. How many songs did you listen to that was written for this project? Um, I didn't listen to, I mean, to, to choose my song. Um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of options because, you know, we started to look for the song straight away as soon as I was decided to go. And I guess, like, I had worked with the DNA boys before uh, on my previous music, so we knew they were going to try and write it and the moment I heard Sound of Silence I knew that it was a special song and I knew that I could t vocally take it to places to make it even more uh, stand out even more. So the song Sound of Silence was written just for this project? Yeah yeah absolutely yeah it was my special Eurovision song. Not my heart awakes to the your feelings for the song the first time you heard it? I f remember the very first time I heard it, I was a little bit on, a little bit unsure, to be honest. I was like, is this really the song, you know? But after a few listens, I was like, mm, yeah, this is, yeah, this is definitely special. And I, I can see it going to places and us taking it further to make it really, really special. So, hmm. Eurovision in 2016 was held in Stockholm, in Sweden. Can you please take us back to your memories from the host city? Oh my gosh. I had been to Sweden, Stockholm, a few years before then for a riding trip. And that was in the middle of winter. And it was really dark and cold and nobody was there, it seemed. And <laughs> then when I came back Eurovision it was summer and I remember oh my gosh like the city was so alive and vibrant and there were so many people just like bathing in the sun like sitting in on the, in the streets like in the sun and I was like 
Wow. And yeah, I, I really do love Stockholm uh, and Sweden as a country. Like it's such a beautiful place and people are so nice. I remember going to experience uh, the fika <laughs> and yeah, eating all the pastries and going shopping and yeah, eating meatballs, doing all the things that tourists do maybe, I guess, in Sweden. But yeah, really, really loved it and I felt like Stockholm really embraced me when I was there. Uh, I felt really loved. <laughs> Did anything special happen behind the scenes that you can share with us? Behind the scenes, a lot of things happened. I just remember, I mean, continuing about the story of being in Sweden, like the day after the Eurovision finale, uh, I woke up and you know, work up really late because we stayed up late as well. And we're just walking around the streets with my team. And at the news agency, the front page of the paper, it had my photo on it. And I was like, ah! <laughs> it was so strange and so cool at the same time. And it was so, so very special. And I remember we uh, went to have breakfast, brunch type of thing at a cafe and you know everybody recognized who I was and we all celebrated and everybody had a orange juice and we were just like Woo, cheers and having this like brunch celebration it was yeah what a what a special memory hmm. you were one of the front runners to win who did you think would win <laughs> at the time everyone was saying Russia You're my only I think they were the front runners at the time before we started rehearsing and when the you know when the press started to watch our rehearsals things started to shift and Australia started to rise to the top and I was like, yeah, yeah, let's keep going. And I think on the night of the finale, I knew that I was in for a chance. I was in the top three. So I honestly, I didn't know who was going to end up winning. I think Ukraine won. I think we didn't, we didn't realize that, like that, that was going to happen because she wasn't a front runner as such until the very last minute I think and people started to realize her performance was very special um but yeah I think up until then like it was a really fun year I think because it it just went oh which what's going to happen and it was I, I felt like there were so many different ways it could have could have gone with 511 points of which 320 came from the jury you ended up in a second place Why do you think the televoters were less generous? Hmm. Mm, I don't really know. You know, I can't know for sure. But maybe because we're not part of Europe, people don't feel like they should vote for us. That could be a reason. But then I'm not sure. I mean, who knows? It's it's like 
voting is whatever you feel like. So I guess for the television, I mean, I think the vibe in the room was electric. After I performed, I felt like, wow, I just could feel people just coming together with me and maybe perhaps it didn't translate on screen as much as it did. I don't know. Who knows? I'll never know. Much focus was put on a duel between the warring countries, Russia and Ukraine. Despite you being as much of a contender for the victory as them, what did it feel like for you to somewhat end up in the shadow of this political malarkey? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I haven't really thought that much about the whole political situation affecting the scores. I mean, I think I've always just focused on what's happened to me, which is that I went in wanting to do better than our previous year's result, which was coming fifth. And that was my big, you know, the pressure that I put on myself was to be better than coming fifth. And then realizing that I could be number one, you know, and then suddenly realizing I'm number two. So it was a very, it was all up and down. But at the end of the day, number two is really good result for me that, you know, I did better than what I had ever expected that would happen to Australia. So I was, what was the question? I was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any personal favorites among the other songs? Um... I, I did like Jamala's song. I thought it was really cool and vocally, you know, she had something very special going on. So I'd like, I like that. Um, I also liked Belgium's song. Um, I think Australia gave 12 points to Belgium from what I remember. Yeah, those were my favourites that year, I remember. If Australia had won, or for the matter, when Australia wins, it is decided that Australia is going to co-arrange the contest with and in a European country. If mm -hmm. you are the one to make the decision, where would you host it? <laughs> oh, well, where would I host it? I guess I think I would host it in the UK because I like going to London and I think UK... <laughs> they, they might not ever get the chance to host it otherwise so <laughs> <laughs> yeah share the love please tell me about the amazing dress you had on stage okay so the dress that I was wearing was designed by an Australian couture designer Stephen Khalil and we had named the dress Stevie and <laughs> Yeah, it was a big gown that was super, super tight fitted on me that I could not even breathe. And I remember after the first rehearsal, I was going blue. My face was like 
just going blue and I couldn't sit there because it was too tight. So we had to get it altered. And in the end, it became this big, big thing, loose thing. So like now it's, I think it's like the dresses kind of had like run its course, whatever. It's all like frayed and it's a little bit destroyed. It's sitting in a museum right now in Australia uh, in Melbourne. Um, but yeah, and because I, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was sitting on a black box. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as I was coming off, the box was a, cause it's, it was a shiny black box. It was like a sandpaper, uh, material. So whenever I came off that box, my silk, beautiful silk dress would rip a little, uh, because of the sandpaper. Oh. So, so after each rehearsal, I would have, less and less of the beautiful uh skirt it would just become la 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 so yeah at the moment it that's how it ended up it's a little bit like a like cinderella's dress but her rag dress not not her her in as a princess her as a cleaner dress <laughs> <laughs> this cleaner dress do you know how much it cost exactly it's like yeah cinderella wearing i think something like 15000 Australian dollars so I that's a lot and but yeah by the time it's like Cinderella coming home and it's like torn into bits and it's it's like a rag Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a previous episode I talked to Polly Ganova the singer from Bulgaria who competed the same year oh yes and she claims that she wasn't nervous at all how nervous were you I am so surprised to hear that because I was so nervous. I could have peed myself. It was the most nervous I've ever been. Oh, I have doubts about that. I can't believe that she wasn't nervous. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I've spoken to other people and they were like even the most experienced people are nervous on a Eurovision stage. So, yeah, I wish I, I was like that, not being nervous performing for your country yeah I was I was so I've never been that nervous in my life <laughs> when watching your stage performance it is obvious that there is no way that you can get up and down from that high box yourself unless you happen to be a world-class high jumper in high heels in addition to all your other talents is it an additional stress moment to know that you are dependent on others to move on stage yeah at the start that was tricky because the timing didn't work out um so I remember they recorded the very first rehearsal with the whole same setup and the cameras and in the moment that I come off the box you hear you don't see me but you hear this sound where I go because ah! I was screaming <laughs> so that's that's a really really I wish I had that video that was the funniest video ever but <laughs> yeah we worked it out in the end and it just looks like magic I just come off elegantly <laughs> as most people know you play several instruments in addition to singing did you ever entertain the idea of playing an instrument as part of your Eurovision performance for instance oh, like sitting by Yeah, like a violin or maybe a piano, like Duncan Lawrence. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I love playing the piano and playing. That is something I do regularly. And yeah, it's like, it's a part of me. See, the piano. Uh, but 
I don't know. I think sometimes you can do that, but then only if it's still interesting for a Eurovision stage. I think if everybody played an instrument on the Eurovision stage, it would be the most boring thing to watch. But if it's like only one person doing it, it kind of stands out and works. So I guess it it would be a big risk for me to be doing that, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I totally think. But I yeah. I just wonder because I know you are so you are fluent in so many instruments. Yeah, I I do like playing piano and singing, but then it is I don't know how interesting that is on a on a big stage like Eurovision, right? So it would have to be the right type of song that calls for that. How many instruments do you play? Well, I play piano, I play the violin and I play the flute. And then I play the recorder. No, that the three instruments are like my main instruments. So not the Swedish instrument Kvinna Buskeden. What is that? You know Indian interval act song Love Peace Peace. Yeah. You, you remember oh, that? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Step three. Show the viewers your country's ethnic background by using an old tradition folklore instrument that no one's heard before. No, no. In this case, it's proven much more efficient to not use the male models. Go for an old man. A beard helps. The instrument is called the Swedish Kvinna Böske, a small roundish piece from the Horn family, inherited from the Vikings. Just make something up, no one would know. Oh, you remember? Okay. Yeah, I do remember that. So, oh, that's what he meant. I didn't understand. <laughs> As we all know, Eurovision was cancelled this year, but one of the substitutes that emerged among fans and supported by the EBU is the tradition of Eurovision again. Basically, once a month, EBU showcases a previous Eurovision final on YouTube, and fans get to vote again for their favorites. Do you know what place you got? No. You won. Oh, when did this happen? A month ago. I think I know. I think I confused. I didn't know that. Was that an official Eurovision channel? Yeah, on YouTube. Whoops. I think, yeah, okay. Yeah, I honestly, I didn't realize that it was official. (laughs) It's okay. But yeah, I know my... Eurovision fans are very passionate and um, I'm grateful that people voted for me. It's a vote thing, right? Yes. Yay, thank you. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) You finally beat Ukraine that got a fourth place this time. Oh. From what I understand, you wrote a song that you wanted to participate with in Eurovision 2021. Yep. Yep. Please tell me about the song Paper Dragon. Yeah, so Paper Dragon was the song that I wanted to use as my next Eurovision entry song. And then Eurovision didn't happen and it'll happen next year and so on. So I didn't want to wait that long to release this song to the world. So, um, yeah, so that's why I've released it as a single this year. And, yeah, it's a big pop anthem about telling your doubters who you are and that you have a dragon inside you yeah and let's listen to it
a music video for Paper Dragon. Please tell me about it. I got a random, or my manager got a random email in his spam uh, box. And it was by a, an Italian video director who makes handmade paper cutout videos. And we thought, wow, this is really interesting. So we reached out to him, this director in Italy, and next thing he's making, he made my video for Paper Dragon because, you know, obviously it's called Paper Dragon. So uh, this whole video is made out of real paper cutouts, like 3D with the dragon, uh, Paper Dragon moving through. And um, I sent my video part from Brisbane and he put it together in Italy. And whew, we have this video that is really, really different to what I've, made before and I thought it was really cool that because of you know the restrictions we can't go overseas but I'm still able to work with somebody all the way in in Italy in Europe so that was a really fun process yeah and a very beautiful music video oh thank you and uh, the song was composed by you and Elke was this the first time you wrote anything for Eurovision again it was um Initially, Elke pitched this song idea to me, right? And I thought that had something so special in it. So we developed it together further from there. And, you know, it was going to be the perfect Eurovision song at the time. So I didn't get to search for other Eurovision songs after that because COVID. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you been asked to compete more times? So, I mean, since my entry, Australia now has a, you know, select national selection process. So, like, just like Sweden and other countries. So, I would have had to go through the national finals again. So, it's like, I mean, I'm not even, I, I could not even get through that. So, you don't really know what would have happened, but I was going to give it a go anyway. Montaigne will probably participate for Australia in 2021, but can we expect you to submit anything for 2022? I feel like 2022 is way too far away at this point, and who knows what what's going to happen before then. And so I think I'm just going to wait and see to make that decision. Australia took part the first time in 2015 with Guy Sebastian. Which song, except your own, is your favorite among the Australian entries to date? Mm, I think every song has been really interesting and different. Australia has been doing really well and I'm proud of each entry. Um, yeah, I did like Guy Sebastian's song the first time around. Uh, I think it was really catchy and, you know, fun, fun song to listen to and to sing. Which one is your least favorite? Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't think I'm allowed to say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a least favorite. Good. This year, a Eurovision movie was released. The American Song Contest has been greenlighted and an Asian version of the Eurovision Song Contest has been in the works for several years to be initially hosted by Australia any year now. 
when this letter project actually happens, would you like to be your country's representative? For Asia Eurovision? I don't know. Maybe at this point, I mean, you never know if I'll feel like it. But at the at this point, maybe not. Maybe give other people the chance to do it because I was supposed to do the European original Eurovision. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of sh- format and shape that could be and what kind of acts that could bring forward. So yeah, interested to see that. Have you been offered to compete for any other countries in Eurovision? No, no, I haven't. I don't think Australia is, I don't think we do that, I think. I've never heard of that happening to Australians. So Krista Björkman have never called you and said, please come to Sweden and participate in Melodies of Poland. <laughs> no, no, I'm waiting for the calls, so still waiting. <laughs> you obviously are extremely talented, being a fantastic singer as well as playing multiple instruments. You apparently adapted well when moving to an entirely different country when quite young, and you seem to succeed in more or less everything you attempt. Is there anything you really suck at? I suck at dancing, okay. I did Dancing with the Stars this year, which is, I don't know if you have it in Sweden, it's like yeah, a dancing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it was so hard. Like, I was like, why why the heck did I do this? Um, and it taught me that, you know, it's good to be courageous, but just stick to what you're good at. <laughs> what place did you got? I, I didn't do too bad. Like, I think I came out of 10, I came like maybe, I think I came fifth. I came fifth, okay, so in the middle. But it was because my fans kept voting for me. The, ju- <laughs> the judges the judges gave me like twos and threes and horrible scores and they would tell me how bad I was each each week. But the fans still voted for me and I was like dragged to the next w- next round each time. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> thank you so much, Dami, for this nice talk. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show as the first Australian guest. <laughs> and thanks to you, our listeners out there in the world. It's an amazing feeling to reach out to such a fantastic audience. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform and follow Eurovision Legends on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to contact me, my mail is email at slagavannerna.se and you find more information on eurovisionlegends.se. Dami, kisua poong. <laughs> That's very cute. Thank you very much. You take care. The same to you. Bye bye. Bye.